Mike Galaxy with Burst Chorus Noise. On this installment, we bring you New Jersey alternative rock pioneers, Dramarama, and their groundbreaking 1985 debut album, Cinema Verite. The band was already a Wayne, New Jersey favorite with their 1983 singles, You Drive Me, and their Velvet Underground cover, Femme Fatale. They would gain national popularity in 1986 when famed Los Angeles radio jock and club impresario Rodney Bingenheimer discovered the band's catchy hit Anything Anything and began spinning regularly on influential rock station KROQ. The track quickly became one of the most requested songs at the station and continued to be a K-Rock favorite for many years after. Rodney Bingenheimer had a reputation for discovering edgy new bands such as Blondie, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Duran Duran, The Cure, Joan Jett, Nirvana, Sonic Youth, and many more. I recently caught up with Drama Rama founding member and frontman Johnny'sdale. We started the band in the basement of a record store in 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 Wayne, New Jersey, and it was myself and and Mark, uh, aka Mister E Boy, and. Uh, uh, the bass player Chris Carter, and it was just the three of us at first. We we would record, and and I played the drums, and Chris played the bass, and Mark played guitar, and we that's the way we went in the studio at first. Uh, eventually, when we started playing live, we we brought in a couple of other guys. Peter Peter Wood was our other guitar player, and then we had a drummer named Ron Machuga, and then we had another drummer named Kenny Mutno. And finally, we settled on a drummer named Jesse Farman, and all of those drummers, include and and myself, all, all, all four of those drummers appear on the on the Cinema Verite album. Uh, but the rest of the band has was and has been, except for Chris, me, Mark, and Peter. And um, yeah, the, the the recording was kind of scattershot. It was it was over the period of well, back then it seemed like a long time, but it was like from 1983 to 1985 uh oh and and first it was we we did a single then we did a a 12 inch ep and then we we were uh, given the opportunity by a french label called uh new rose to turn it into a full album so we we took a song off the single put all the songs on the ep and then added a bunch more to make it a full lp when we were recording we were just doing it for our own entertainment and and uh we we you know what was popular at the time on the radio where we lived and on mtv and stuff was not the kind of music we were playing so we had no uh you know illusion about uh, the popularity of anything that we were going to do we were just amazed that we were able to make a record and that somebody else was actually giving us money to record because uh for the first couple of years, it was just us using our day jobs to pay for studio time and whatnot. We put the record out and we went over to visit, did some TV shows and whatnot. Uh, it wasn't until a couple of years after the album came out that we went over and toured. Uh, by that time, we had already been actually moved to California. And, and that was that was the first taste of success, I guess you would say. We had no idea. We um, we were all living at, at, back in New Jersey, and we found out there was a, a radio station in, in California playing us and a DJ named Rodney Bingenheimer, who we had heard of. He was a pretty famous guy, you know, kind of underground because it was, you know, 
a radio DJ in, in California. We found out he was playing our record in California and we ended up going out for a little vacation and turned out the, the record was being played on the radio pretty frequently. Like every couple of hours, it turned into a quote unquote hit and uh, we ended up staying. We were totally surprised to find out there was a DJ in California playing our record um blown away and the way we found out about it was somebody you know had a girlfriend who lived in california and uh he's like hey they're playing your record on the radio and we were like what totally shocked and amazed and um still to this day it's a wild thing because it wasn't like we sent it to him he 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 bought it at a record store he picked it up i think because of the cover we had a picture of Edie sedgwick on the cover and, and then he started playing it in fact at first when he was playing it he thought we were a french band because it was a French label. We found out he was playing the record in the late springtime. And then he came out to the East Coast because the, the monkeys were, were getting back together. And so he came and he actually stayed at our apartment. And that's when we met Rodney. He was like, you got to come out to California. You got to come out to Los Angeles. So we 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 did. Like I said, we just kind of planned it as a um, vacation. And we had no idea that it had gone from just being on his weekend show. He was on Saturday and Sunday nights and uh, into regular rotation. I guess uh, the phones lit up, as they say, and uh, people wanted to hear it. So it became a, a hit record. I'm just visiting the because it makes me think of you. The album was was officially released in france in november of 85 because when we first came out here we had done maybe a handful of shows in new jersey and we really weren't uh our stage presence was was pretty amateurish you know we weren't well seasoned it, it took us a long time to to get to a point where we were a good band to go watch we were uh still kind of green this is my scenario because we were on the radio a lot we got we got some shows and and actually we got some interest from a um a local uh concert promoter which, which was called avalon attractions and eventually was swallowed up by the live nation monster but uh but at the time they were the big southern california um concert promoters and so we they, they became our managers so we got to play all kinds of cool shows as a result and uh it was amazing because, like I said, you know, we were out of the garage and, you know, we played a couple of local bars. And I think we played New York City one time and went from that to opening for big bands, you know, at really huge places. And, and in a way, we had no business being out there because we were, like I said, just just starting out. We did the very first uh, acoustic Christmas for K-Rock. But by then, we, we'd been around for, I think we were in California by that time, for a year or two. She's fantastic. She says, man, it's great. To be honest with you, I, I, think, I think we were amazed to be on the radio. Because like I said, where we grew up was very much old-fashioned rock, you know. Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen and, and you know, classic rock. Uh, you know what was classic rock in in the, in the 80s is still classic rock now Jimi hendrix led zeppelin we weren't expecting to be on the radio we weren't making music to become famous we were just trying to you know just in, entertaining ourselves and and you know with not nary a thought of, of being on the radio so um k-rock was uh, you know a different kind of radio station than we were used to 
and we had no idea. And, and, and I think for the first couple of years, I think we were just shocked and amazed and, and, and delighted uh, to be, you know, to be a part of that, you know, to all of a sudden be, be on the radio and playing concerts and, and, you know, we couldn't believe it. We were, we were, we were overwhelmed and, and amazed. Here's my old friend, founding member of Drummerama and guitarist, Mark Eboy Inglert. That record was a 45, which in turn turned into an EP called Comedy. But Comedy was really kind of low budget. You know, I haven't even heard that album in years. I think uh, Cinema V came around, Cinema Verte came around because we were actually in uh, dealing with a record company in France called Neuros, which I'm proud to say I was label mates with Johnny Thunders. You know what was great about where we recorded? It was right in our uh, area that we grew up in. And I kind of remember thinking, this is a record that's going to be with you for a while. It's going to be the one everyone remembers you by. And in a weird way, I kind of think it's true. But, you know, we were just learning. We were winging it as we went along. And you know, I have my little Effectron basically just hooking that up to my Music Man amp, which I still have with me. I, it was a lot of fun, and it was a life that was uniquely my own. Um, I'm really grateful. I finally and that concludes this installment of Verse Chorus Noise. I want to thank Drama-Rama's John Easdale and Mark Inglert. And I also want to thank all the listeners and supporters. See you next time.